0: You are listening to the I Am In podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, Come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. Today's podcast speaker is Kathy Yoder. She is a mother of eight children, an entrepreneur, a website owner, a YouTuber, and most importantly, a daughter of God. Kathy has lived in Boise since she was four years old and graduated from Bora High School in 1993. She attended Boise State University for three semesters before she married her husband, Roman. They have been married for 27 years. She met this returned missionary from Florida at an institute Friday night dance. Over the last 40 plus years, Kathy has learned to rely on the spirit in everything she does. She started her business in 2000 when she had two small children. Her current business started as a hobby in 2008, and she jokes that she is an accidental entrepreneur. She knows without a doubt that she has been guided every step of the way by her loving, heavenly parents. This is Michelle Burke. You are listening to the Boise Nampa Institute podcast, I Am In.
1: Thank you. My water bottle my phone. That's all I need right here. (laughs) Um, It's awesome to be with you guys today. Like, as was mentioned, I kind of grew up here at the Institute. Mm -hmm. My dad taught here in this building forever. And in the summers, my little sister and I would come play school before it was remodeled and we'd go help stuff envelopes for the secretaries. And it was just the funnest thing to come here. And then we (laughs) loved being secretary. Maybe that was the start of my training, (laughs) right? and it's been fun over the last six weeks to kind of think about this assignment and reflect on my life. And oddly enough, my forty-seventh birthday is next week. And it's a cool birthday because it's 22. That's right. On Tuesday. Except I'll be 47. So that doesn't really, you know, fit in there. But um, but it's been neat to kind of think about these different touch points. And actually the morning that Sister Erickson called me, I was just thinking about some memories of, of times where the Lord has helped me in my business. Um, so it's, it's, it's always good to reflect and luckily for me I have a lot of um, kind of journal journaling experiences like in a blog post or a New York Times article or things I could pull from mm-hmm. to remember and kind of put it all into one place. It's kind of awesome. Um, I was thinking about a talk that I heard in SACRA Meeting, and they quoted Elder Uchtdorf, who quoted Steve Jobs. <laughs> so, um, and it was President, or I think it was—I don't know if he was Elder or President at that point in time. Um, and he was speaking to the young adults in 2018, and he talked about connecting dots. And the quote from Steve Jobs is, "You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future." So that's what I've been doing, thinking about all those dots and all those connecting moments in my life. Now, I've been serving in Young Women's for as long as I can remember. I think I did a small stint in Relief Society, but I've just been Young Women's. So the Young Women's and Young Men's theme this year is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which I absolutely love. And I feel like that can just be a life theme. And just to refresh your memory, and because I have a bad memory, I've got to have it written here. Oh, I didn't write it down, but it's it's trusting in the, trusting in the Lord, in all thy ways in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Um, so there's two invitations, one warning, and one promise in that scripture. And so I just thought, okay, how do we trust in the Lord? First, if you want to, you know, there's different personality types. You might be the type that you just instantly trust someone until they break your trust. Or the type that you're like, e, you've got to earn my trust first, then I'll trust you, right? So I think everybody has a different personality. I'm usually one. I'll just trust from the get-go and share everything and um, get myself in trouble sometimes. But in order to trust someone, you have to know them. So how do we come to know God and trust Him? I was thinking it back through my life and I have kind of my first powerful experience that I remember was when I was 10 years old and uh, fourth grade. And over there at Amity Elementary School, just a little gang of kids talking. And I don't know how it started, but somebody started talking about like Ouija boards and Bloody Mary and just yucky things. And I was 10 and it was new to me. And it was almost that whole concept of Satan. And we had this conversation, is Satan real? And You know, and I was surprised, like, oh, he actually is real. Just kind of learning, a new awareness. And I was really curious and it just became the talk for like a week, maybe, and just dark things. And it got to the point where I was having a hard time sleeping at night. And I remember this one night just being terrified. The door was open, the hall light was on, and I just was shaking and trembling and so scared. And my dad was always either He taught Institute Choir, so I don't know if that's where he was that night, or he was probably in the bishopric. Anyway, I remember him coming home and probably my mom suggested that I ask him for a blessing. And he came home wearing his suit and smelling like the church. And we sat in the living room on the blue velvety couch. And he laid his hands on my head and started to give me a blessing. And that dark feeling. At 10 years old, I just felt that leave my body, just like this. It just flowed through from head all the way down to my toes, and it left. And I felt the light of Christ back in my soul. And it was such a powerful experience to have at that young of an age and to really distinguish what it feels like, what darkness feels like, and what light feels like. And always since then, I've just been very aware of what I bring to my life. I don't like haunted houses. I don't like scary movies, even if they're, you know, PG. Watchers in the Woods scared me. Do you guys, you guys probably don't even know that movie? Vintage Disney scary movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, don't watch it. It's cringy. But um, anyway, that scared me too. Um, later on, ninth grade, I went to South Junior High, early morning seminary, and um, It was hard, junior high is terrible, right? (laughs) Like we're all like, oh yeah, that was terrible. All the girls in my ward went to West and I was the only one going to South. So I had to make new friends and it was hard and just kind of bouncing around each year. So ninth grade, I thought I had a good group of friends and we're all in seminary and they all jet out to leave. It was like spirit week or something. And there was some girl that actually had a car and knew how to drive in ninth grade. um, And they all left to go decorate her car and I wasn't invited. And I just remember sitting there in the seminary room, heartbroken, feeling like nobody cared about me, feeling alone, and just wanted to crawl up and hide. And we were studying Doctrine and Covenants that year, and right at that moment the teacher read the scripture, D&C 7818, and I have to refer to my notes because the phrase that stuck out to me And ye cannot bear all things now. Nevertheless, be of good cheer, for I will lead you along. The kingdom is yours, and the blessings thereof are yours, and the riches of eternity are yours. So there I was, a 14-year-old girl, just rejected by her friends. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I just had this perspective shift. It's like, this doesn't matter. And in five years, this won't matter. And what matters is I've got God on my side. And it's just been, was another one of those powerful points that I knew he was aware of me and that he loved me. And my prayer that I didn't know I had was answered right there through scripture. Um, fast forward, <laughs> lots of experiences. Here, Institute, Friday nights, always a dance. Big attended dance happening here. Sister Erickson and I kind of hung out in the same little crowd. That was back in 93, 94. And um, it was like May and all of the BYU and Ricks College students were coming back. So the, the you know, it was just the chapel down the street, wherever we are. Um, gym was packed. I was moshing with my friends, you know, it was great, so much fun. And I kept seeing this cute boy up, holding up the wall over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, just had that prompting, go ask him to dance. And I was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. You know, it's like, I don't. I don't do that, but just kept feeling that and just literally kind of felt like I had angels pushing me over there to ask him to dance. And long story short, seven and a half months later, we got married in the Boise Temple and uh, he's from Florida, so I got him here. He stayed here with me and we started our family, um, started our first business, as I mentioned in 2000, we had a carpet cleaning business. He had just graduated from Boise State. We were like, okay, now he's, he had like a six year degree. Uh, we don't even actually know what it, what it was in. It finally got to the point like, let's just finish school, we're so done. And I didn't do, I just did like my two and a half semesters because my third semester we were engaged for half of it. And I, my final was like the day before I was gonna get married. And I was like, pfft, forget it. I was gonna go into to be a teacher, teach elementary education. And it was a child psychology class and weightlifting. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my third semester. So it didn't really count. Um, anyway, um, so 2000, we, we started a carpet cleaning business. And 2002, we were like investing more money got like a big van and a big machine because before we had a smaller thing. And um, I remember that I think it was the day that we got that big machine and the van and everything. And ended up taking my daughter to the doctor. She just had a huge lump in her belly. And um, I was like, wow, I just thought maybe she was clogged up, you know, hadn't processed her food <laughs> for a while. They ended up sending us to St. Luke's to get an ultrasound. And the ultrasound tech said, just wait here. And they waited in this room. And I was like, oh, OK. I waited for a phone call and was told they found a large mass in your daughter's abdomen and you need to go meet with an oncologist. And I was like, yo, oncologist. I was like, I'm not even sure what that word means. And You know, we didn't have smartphones. So I couldn't Google it, but it was scary. And she kind of explained to me that it was probably cancer, a childhood cancer, that my little three-year-old had. And she was we had three kids at that point in time. And she was my middle one. And um, my parents actually had just moved to California. We were living in their house. My dad was going to go teach it some college in L.A. area, anyway, for his last final years before retirement. And so my mom and dad were gone, and um, I was here alone in the hospital with my little girl, just trying to be really, really brave, because I had no idea what was about to happen. And I remember walking on the elevator, and it smelled like my mom. It was empty, but it smelled like my mom and her perfume, and it was just like comforting. Anyway, drove home. Found my husband. The kids ran off to play. Just collapsed in his arms and sobbed, and um, it was so scary. I remember going to bed that night and just laying down with my daughter Haley, and she's sucking her thumb, holding her blanket. Had no idea what she was in for, and we were just scared. We were young, in our twenties, and um, anyway, that um, next morning, you know, we went to bed. And by that point in time, all the family, the ward family, everybody knew the phone calls had been made and um, woke up the next morning. And You know how when you have something heavy in your life and you wake up and there's a split second that you don't remember and like everything's perfect. You're like, oh, and then it just crashes down, smacks you in the face again. Oh, yeah, that's right. Life sucks right now. And um, I rolled over onto my knees to pray and then um, felt the prompting to open up my scriptures. And I don't know if I just opened them or if, if it was where I was reading. Um, I, look, I need to look at my reference again. <laughs> it was uh, Mosiah, where I read Mosiah. Did I write it? Yep. Uh, 24 verse 14. And it was, you know, when you like read scriptures and you're like, I've never seen this before, but now it's like, this is for you. This is for you. Um, the verse, the part that helped me was I will also ease the burdens which are upon your shoulders that you cannot fill them upon your backs." And I tell you what, from that moment that burden was lifted and that whole next two weeks my husband and I had so much peace. As we met with the oncologist we were told she had a rare childhood cancer. She was in the hospital. We saw her suffer and she had her surgery on Monday. By Saturday we took her home. She had a huge scar cut in her belly. They said that the tumor was the size of a football, which I, I still don't can't figure out how that fit into her three-year-old body. Um, but uh, she was running around outside playing. She had to do one treatment of chemotherapy, and the lab results came back that it was just it was just massive cells. There was no no cancer at all, and um, it was just such. <laughs> it was a beautiful experience. It was scary, but I. Can testify so strongly about the power of prayer from that experience. We had angels lifting us. We had so many loved ones and ward members praying for us and fasting for us and putting our names in the temple and we were just lifted throughout that entire experience. So those are examples of how I came to know Him and and start trusting and recognizing His hand in my life. one of the other, the warning in that scripture is to lean not unto thine own understanding in Proverbs. Now, if you think about leaning, if you're just standing up straight and you start to lean, right, you're, you're tilting to one side and you've got to lean on something else and you lose balance, right? If you're leaning, you can't hold that forever. When we're standing upright, upright, we're centered, right? We're centered in Christ. So when I, I'm going to just share a couple experiences where I was like, I thought I had it all figured out. I <laughs> was leaning into my own understanding and God was like, oh, no, actually this is what we're going to do. Um, it was back in 2008. Um, I don't know if anybody remember, you guys don't remember the economy, but that's when I first noticed it, like the, it's kind of like right now, the cost of everything going up and groceries and cereal. Like a cereal was a staple in my house and cereal, the cost of cereal was going up noticeably and milk. And uh, I started kind of learning, it's like back then, this was before Facebook, so Moms, we had blogs and it was a little blog spot. It was a little free blog. We got to learn a little code, put cute wallpaper on our blog, put cute music, little widgets. It was so fun. This is what the moms did before Facebook and, you know, Instagram was nowhere, anywhere. Um, So I just started reading blogs and found out about like Dave Ramsey and learned about couponing, and I just started learning all this stuff, and I was like, this is so cool, and started talking to my family about it and emailing ladies in the ward about it. Um, And then I decided, you know, I'm going to start another blog, and I'll just post all those things that I'm doing and how I'm, you know, here's the deal at Walgreens this week, here's the deal at Albertsons, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I started doing that, and it was just fun. It was just like a little outlet for me. I think at this point in time, I can't remember where I was working, I think I was working at City Cards um, in their collections department. Um, but then I started, I started preschool just, just so I could stay at home and work, you know, make money from home. So I started preschool, then I, you know, learning more about Dave Ramsey, had the little blog going, saving money on my groceries. And I was like, okay, we're going to get out of debt. You know, we've been told, get out of debt. So I made plans. I was like, hey, I'm going to double up on my preschool. I'm going to teach preschool Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mornings and afternoons. Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday will be another class. Mornings and afternoons. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to advertise this way. All I had all the plans. And then um, at that point in time, I had a seven month old baby. He was my number six. And then in March of 2009, found out I was expecting another baby. And I was like, what? You have you have a comment, husband?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. sold the business two or three years yeah, yeah. That, And I had
1: a real job. Yeah, he he now had a real job at that point in time. Yeah. So we had sold our first business after five years. We just got tired. That was hard, hard business to be in. Um anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah, found out I was pregnant. Um, and so I was just like, that's not going to work. You know, counting the months, it was going to be October. I was going to have a new baby. I was like, I cannot do my preschool plan and get out of debt plan if I'm massive pregnant and then with a newborn. That's not going to work. Now, I know there's a lot of women that like have babies and go to school. And like, I would just as soon as I found out we were pregnant with my first, I was like, yeah, I'm done with school. Because we had been married for like eight months. And I was like, I'm done anyway. Um, So, I was really mad at God. I had my first OB appointment. Ironically enough, it was April Fool's first doctor appointment. Confirmed I was pregnant, heard the heartbeat and everything. And then I believe it was two days later, my husband was laid off. And that was in 2009. And everybody in the valley was losing jobs back then, everything was shutting down. He worked for a company that had to do with the housing market. Um, Anyway, so then I was like, okay, what? What the heck? I'm trying to be righteous. I'm trying to get out of debt. We're working hard, and this is what you're giving us. And I was mad. I was mad, and I kind of sunk into this depression. Um, at this point in time, the the little couponing blog that I had was getting like 400 hits a day. So it was more than just my family and church members. There was other people looking at it. And over those prior six months, I had a friend from church. She had been emailing me deals she was finding. So I added her as an author and another woman from church. And we were just kind of casually, you know, doing our thing. There was no structure. If I didn't feel like doing anything, I didn't. Um, But when Roman lost his job, um, my friend was like, you know, we can make money on this website. I was like, what? Because we started teaching coupon classes, like for free. She was like, we can charge people to come to our class. And I was like. (gasps) "Oh." No, I just felt terrible to ask someone to pay me to teach them. And I was like, so we charged like five dollars. We had a class at my sister's house and I felt sick to my stomach. But everybody came and like we had like 20 women show up and they all paid us and had some cash. <laughs> and um, then we were like, let's put ads on our blog. And we're like, oh, no. So we put like our first ad at the very, very bottom of the page because we felt so terrible. Anyway, now, you know, you guys were like. We all see ads all the time, it's not a big deal. Um, but there was just other ways to be, sign up to be an affiliate and to make money for a click or uh, an action or anything like that. So we just figured out ways we could start making money. So that was 2009. By the fall of 2010, my husband was still out of work. Um, and actually, he. what happened is because he was not working, I was able to really zero in on my business. He took care of the two babies and, um, and I put a lot of time and a lot of late nights and a lot of work. And I think I calculated we made like $1.35 an hour. We just, it was a lot of hard work and time, right? To start something like that. Um, but by the fall of 2010, we had a foreclosure date set on our house and because um, we still had hardly any income. We were told by credit counseling agencies to just file for bankruptcy we were um, getting like f- support from the church, going to the Bishop's storehouse for food. Um, and then like the, the home loan, they wouldn't even consider us for a program. Like everybody was getting on programs because everybody was in a situation we were in. But they are like, you don't make enough money. You know, even with the unemployment, which is not much money and the little income I was providing, it wasn't enough. But then like, I think it was September 2010, The blog finally made enough money that I finally was eligible for a program and we didn't lose our house. And a year later, by that point in time, I had replaced my husband's income before he lost his job. And extra, I was making more. And then in 2012, we had a New York Times magazine writer contact us and she wrote this whole article on us. And then we were flown to New York City and we were on the Today Show for everything that was going on, and literally how this couponing and this excitement and passion saved my family, saved our home, and had now become a strong source of income for us. Um, there's so many little steps in there, too, that I'm not even sharing. I want to just stay track, on track with time, but so many little tender mercies, God's fingerprints in our lives. I um, actually, right before the whole Today Show thing happened, I mean, that was a whirlwind situation. But I had found out I was pregnant again. I know you all are like, does she use birth control? I did. <laughs> I did. Just so you know, I know you're wondering that. Um, but uh, I got pregnant, and then I, at 11 weeks, I miscarried. And it was excruciating. It was so sad, even though it was a surprise baby. I, we loved the baby. Um, lost the baby. And then right after that, my, th- th- my then three-year-old son was in the hospital with asthma and ended up in the PICU and we were there for about a week and it forced me to rest. So it was actually a huge blessing because right after that is when I'm running through an airport trying to catch a flight to New York City and it was just such a whirlwind. Um, Anyway, just another catapult to our business. Fast forward to 2015, Um, let's see, make sure I'm I'm on my right topic. Okay, yeah, that was my point, was like lean not unto thy, thy own understanding. I had a plan. I was always grew up wanting to be a stay-at-home mom. That's all I wanted. And then I was like, okay, I'll work from home, mom. And here's my plan. And God's like, no, no, we're not doing that. You're going to do this instead. And it forced, it really forced the growth, like turning a, a hobby into a business, and it was a huge blessing. Then in 2015, I mean, overall this time we had actually officially become a business. I had a business partner, my friend from church. And by 2015, things were getting rough. Trends were changing. Couponing was changing. We were kind of changing our, our website, doing more Amazon things, um, like finding deals on Amazon. Because when you, like as an Amazon affiliate, you can make money when people click through your link and it drops a cookie for 24 hours. Anything anybody buys, we get a percentage of. So that's kind of fun. I get a look and see. I don't know who's buying what, but I can see weird things people are buying (laughs) on Amazon. Um, Anyway, it the business was changing, starting to like this starting to struggle again. And my business partner, she's like, I'm ready to be done. I'm burnt out. Let's sell or you can buy me out. And she's like, you've got a week to decide. And I was like, what? Keep in mind, my husband was working, but I was the main breadwinner for our family. So it was scary. Um, I was like, what what will I do? This is what I do. What will I do next? I I don't think I have, I don't have the education. I don't have a degree where I can replace the income that I have right now. Um, But then buying her out meant six figures of debt. And it meant a whole, I I had double the workload. And so it was scary. Um, But I just prayed two days straight, just praying. And it was so heavy. And I was like, how am I going to solve this problem? Lord tell me how to solve this problem. What? And then, then I had this shift and instead of saying how am I solving this problem, I said how, how do you need me? What can I do? How can I serve you? Where do you need me to be? And so I changed my question and I got the answers and I knew without a doubt I needed to buy the business from her and keep doing what I need to do because there was still something. He still had a mission for me. So man, You guys, let me just tell you, like 14 years ago, if somebody was said, hey, on your two and a half semesters of education at college, here's all the things you're gonna do. And I'd be like, no, no, no. I mean, 2015, I learned how to write a business plan. I had to go approach all these lenders and bankers, and I was rejected time after time after time. I had hard conversations. It was scary. It was so, it was like, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. My husband was my rock. My family just circled around me and just like picked up all the things. I, d- I did nothing else but that business while I tried to get a lender. Somebody would lend me some money so I could buy her out. Literally at the last moment, I found a private investor that lent me the money. I bought her out. We closed up, you know, closed up that partnership. And then there I was. And it was a whole new <laughs> reinventing my business in a way. So that was 2015. It wasn't really until 20. 20- No, that was 2016. In 2019 is when I finally got some clarity because the best thing as a business owner is to have multiple revenue streams. You don't wanna just put all your eggs in one basket. If I put everything that I was earning just into ads, the Google algorithm will change and all of a sudden your website traffic will be here and then it'll crash and your revenue from ads will change and Amazon changes what they'll pay their affiliates. And the beginning of 2020, They yanked the rug out from all like right as the pandemic was hitting, they cut everybody's commissions anyway. So multiple revenue streams. So I was looking for another strong revenue stream and I kept trying this one thing and it just, I couldn't get it to take off. And finally in 2019, people were put in place in my life and this whole new door of YouTube opened up and I had a friend that just like three days before Christmas, she was on the phone with me for an hour telling me all about YouTube. Like, honestly, I was not into YouTube. Like, it was one of those things I was like, children do not watch YouTube. Because <laughs> it was so bad, you know? And uh, we just, YouTube was not allowed in the house. And I was like, I had this stigma with YouTube. Now I love YouTube, actually, but it's so much fun. Um, anyway, I just learned, and I hired her to be my coach. And she was like, you know, recipes. Because on my website, I do have a lot of recipes that we've been doing over the years. Um, so I have like a deal part. I have recipes. We have the Instagram audience is different than the Facebook audience. I have my email list. There's so many different components and all these different audiences. And she was like, do recipes on YouTube. And I was like, what? Who is going to want to watch that? Anyway, she coached me. So I started doing like instant pot, slow cooker, freezer meals, um, and air fryer recipes. And I just rotated through those each week. And I started doing two, two videos a week. And I forgot to mention, right when I was ready to get going, my daughter, number three, who is now 18, this was at the beginning of 2020, was told she had thyroid cancer. And so we had this whole two months of chaos and blessings and tender mercies and beautiful experiences. And I tell you, some doctors just like to scare the mamas, right? They're like, well, it's not a terrible cancer because she'd be dead by now. But yeah, she's got cancer. She didn't have cancer. It was just all these big lumps on her thyroid. And so she has no thyroid now. She's going to be home in five and a half weeks. She's in, in uh, San Jose right now, Spanish speaking mission. Um, anyway, so that paused me. And then we were like, OK, here we go. I'm going to start YouTube. And then you all know what happened March 2020, right? Everybody got smacked upside the face. World changed. Finally, by May, I was like, OK, here we go. Started recording videos. Do not go to my channel. Well, you can. Actually do. Because they are so cringy and terrible. They're just so terrible. My first videos, but they're there. So everyone can see how terrible and embarrassing. And we had my old camera from like twenty no, two thousand eight, like a super old Canon TI3 or something. Trying to video anyway, it was so bad. So I used my phone, stuck with my phone after that first video, and I um, was doing two, two videos a week and then school started in 2020. Does anybody, you guys remember fall 2020? That's so fresh. I had five kids in grade school, junior high and high school, and it was so terrible. It was the worst thing of my entire life. <laughs> so I was like, I cannot do two videos a week. Went down to one um, and started noticing that my air fryer videos, those are the ones that were getting some lift. So by November, well, first of all, just so you know, to make money on YouTube, you have to have a thousand subscribers and then there has to be 4,000 watch hours within a rolling 365 day period. So I was working towards that goal, finally getting it monetized. End of October, finally did. And no, that was beginning of October, I got monetized, I qualified. So for my first month of YouTube, all the effort, I made $136 mm-hmm. and I was like, yo, That is so much work for like a couple dollars a day. It stinks. And so uh, November I was like, I'll keep going and I uh, made $300. I was like, okay, all right, okay. We'll double, let's just double every month. We'll try to double. So then December comes and um, at this point I have another business partner and it's a guy, he's like my brother, he's awesome. And anyway, that's a whole nother story how that came to be. But he was like, you spend a lot of time on YouTube and it doesn't make very much money. So let's just pick a day. You know, if you don't make this much by this day, then we'll just stop it. So I was like, okay, by June, if I'm not making $4,000 a month by June, we'll stop anyway. So December happened and then I started just focusing just air fryer content. And I tell you the whole time, just so you know, what I've learned over this whole period of time is that you can pray about anything. You can pray for inspiration about how to potty train a child. You can pray for inspiration about what to do in your business that day. I started my day out, I would think and pray with a pad of paper, I'm like, what what's the number one thing I need to do in my business today? And I'd listen, and I'd just write down my thought. And there, I had some really cool experiences sometimes. There was one experience where I just had a thought about a toy that I should go find on Amazon, and I linked to it. That stupid toy in 2017, Fingerlings, anybody remember those? <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those fad toys, gone now. I um, me $4,000 over August between August and December from that one toy, and it came from a prayer and inspiration that I received from that prayer. i like, God cares about your business. God wants you to make money, right? He gave you desires and gifts, and we need to make money. Money is not evil. Anyway... Um, December, coming back to December, 2020, um, third month of being monetized on Amazon or YouTube. And all of a sudden I had a video take off and I hit 10,000 subscribers in that December, 2020. And my little kids, because my little kids did watch YouTube, it's different. My older kids have a different life than my younger half. Anyway, um, they were like, that's so cool, mom. They love looking at my my analytics and um, then January hits and it's just, I mean, everybody got an air fryer for Christmas 2020. And my traffic just whoo, went like this. In February 2020, I hit 100,000 subscribers. Isn't that cool? 10X in two months. Never, never thought that would happen. Like I thought that would happen a year. thought that would take a year. Anyway, um, I just want you to know how one pattern that I've noticed, anytime there's something super great that's about to happen, I have super bad uh, opposition. Just yucky, hard things. Anyway, for this one particular instance, I had started, I had a video idea and it was 15 things you didn't know you could make in an air fryer. And it takes time to film 15 different recipes. Um, So I had been working on it. I had like three left to do. I needed to film my intro, my outro. And then our family got COVID, February of 2021. We got COVID. And I had my deadline, and I hadn't missed an upload yet. And I was like, I think it was like my third day of COVID. I just mustered up everything I could, put some makeup on, just like, bring it, bring it, pray, and pray, and Holy Father, help me, I've got to finish this. Film my intro, film my last few recipes. At this point in time, I was still doing my editing, so I had, I had done a lot of the editing for most of the recipes, but I had to finish it up. Just, it was everything that I could do to finish that. It went live and, um, you know, it just kind of did its thing. Then it had, got a bunch of Google traffic and then it simmered down and then YouTube started pushing it. The, the algorithm is insane, but what YouTube will do. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, in March, I'll just tell you, if you're offended by me sharing numbers and money, I'm not, I just, it's all God helping me. But March I made $17,000. March of 2021, that video has over 4 million views now. And it's just like, I'm like, you guys, I had COVID when I felt like, see me in that purple sweatshirt? I had Rona, you know? <laughs> Look what I did. And like Satan's trying to stop me and discourage me. And I had every reason to just skip that week and just to forget about it, but I did it anyway. And Heavenly Father helps me. the thing that I've learned, especially in the last three years, is because I swear every Monday I wake up and I'm overwhelmed with my list and the things I've got to get done. I'm like, how am I going to get all this done? I actually just finished publishing in December. It was my first self-pub- self-published cookbook. And I worked. I thought, oh, I can do that in about a couple of weeks. It took months. It, I hated it. It was so terrible. But uh, and our first order, we're like, OK, let's order 500 books. You know, it cost, I can't remember how much, 500 books it was gonna be maybe like $5,000. Uh, and then we started to pre-sell, and I was selling a lot. And so my partner and I were like, uh, let's change that order to 1,500. So I sold my first 1,500 books in six weeks. And we just put in, I, well, I hope nobody's offended. We just ordered 10,000 books from China. It's just cheaper to print in China, I'm sorry. But they're beautiful. And anyway, we have flew three thousand of them here. It's ridiculous how much that cost. And then seven thousand more somewhere on a boat, <laughs> with all the other products, with my oven, but with my stovetop that I'm waiting for. Um, anyway, there's been so much overwhelm. But every Monday, I started to recognize this pattern. Hey, Kathy, you always get it done. There's no need to freak out and stress out and be overwhelmed. God always helps you get it done. You're always meeting your deadlines. And I just recognized one day, I was like, that's right, he does. I haven't missed an upload. I'm still getting all the things done. I'm still there for my family. Sure, I I know there's so many gaps. There's so many holes. I know I'm dropping balls, but he's helping me with the most important things. And I have angels in my children's lives that also help me fill those gaps. Um, I still get to work from home. But Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, they, my son, you know, we just had this conversation with my child last night. He's like, Mom, he was just trying to talk about how successful I was like. is like, oh, no, it's Heavenly Father has helped me 100% of the way. Give the glory to him. And that's the other thing in that, in that um, scripture. In all, in all ways, acknowledge him. And I found when I acknowledge him, it causes you to be grateful, right? You have to have gratitude and to acknowledge him. And then it, this really cool cycle continues because gratitude reaps blessings. Blessings come from gratitude. You're happier when you're grateful. You're happier when you're serving others. Um, just like last week, I've, but just even the last three weeks, we've been with a kitchen remodel. I had a child have a snowboard accident. He broke his collarbone that required surgery. So we have no kitchen sink. He's in the living room. I'm like in the middle of like this live, it's a air fryer challenge that I have 67 people signed up for. I can't use my kitchen. Another child breaks an ankle. I was just like all the things. And I was feeling so heavy. But the, the week before, so the middle of this whole thing, the week before I did my air fryer challenge, I was just dark and I was like, it was just heavy. And I was like, I gotta just push it. How am I gonna do this challenge? How am I gonna help these people? The, all these people had signed up, they had paid, They were ready to go and I was like, I've got nothing else to give. I am tired of giving to everyone. (laughs) And uh, of course I prayed about it and I knew I need to stay with it. And so last week was my air fryer challenge and it was so much fun because every day I was in a Facebook group doing a live stream with these people, really helping them with their air fryer, which sounds so cheesy. It's like, wow, ooh, big difference you're making. But I tell you what you guys, I've gotten the neatest emails, neatest comments. There was one gal um, on Instagram that left a comment and just said, hey, I just want you to know my grandpa found your channel. And he loved making the desserts that you do. Because I do like air fryer donuts and different things like that. And she's like, he passed away last week. But I wanted you to know that how much joy what you, what you taught him, it brought to his life. When his preacher would come to visit, he would be so excited because he could use the air fryer and make them desserts. Anyway, it does make a difference. If you love something and it helps somebody else, even if it's an air fryer or it doesn't have to just be a spiritual or a huge emotional thing, anything that you give and put out in the world that makes it better, it matters, right? And so my silly air fryer videos, they do make a difference. And um, it's been a blessing to my family. I'll just tell you my business last year, our revenues increased by 80%, which was so exciting because of YouTube. And then now I've got my cookbook that I'm selling and different things. But just when you have God part of your plan and you rely on Him and reach out to Him and know Him and trust Him <laughs> and, and trust, in, trust in the plan, I tell you I told you I was going to be an elementary school teacher but foremost I just wanted to be at home. I just wanted to be at home with my kids. I wanted to go work in their classrooms and I don't do that anymore cuz I don't have time, but it's okay. In my office I have a big ampersand sign on the wall behind me because I had this crisis about 6 years ago feeling like I didn't I didn't want to be a CEO of a company. I just wanted to like I'm missing out on my kids. And I just had a beautiful experience where I realized I could be a mom and a business owner, and it was okay. And God so loves me. And He gave me the gifts and talents that I have to help other people and to bless my family. And my kids are self-reliant because I work at home. They all do their own laundry, even my little seven-year-old. They just, The kids had to start learning for themselves. And when we didn't have money, we just did not have money. And even today, they still help pay for their sports. They still have to help pay for their things. Um, They help pay for scout camp or girls camp, all those things. So it's been a blessing. It's taught my kids a lot. Um, And it's been a blessing to our family. And I just, I love Heavenly Father. I've loved to rely on the Holy Ghost and to be able to distinguish that when I don't have Him with me and when I do, I need Him with me. I count on, I count on those angels to help me. Those promptings of like, go check on that child. I'll be right in the middle of work and I'll just have this thought, go check on that child and I'll go. It's like, it's a, it's a partnership with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and Holy Ghost. And I'm so grateful for the knowledge that I have of them. I'm so grateful. Um, on my, on my uh, Facebook bio, I know you guys don't really do Facebook, but I have hashtag God is my CEO. And I made that my motto about five years ago when I really recognized His hand in my life. And it's it's just been a great way to live. So I encourage you to just trust in Him and all that you do and just learn to lean, lean into Jesus Christ and really feel that power in your life. And it will be better and harder than you can ever imagine, but so worth it. So I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.